brought, but his face, though full of a morning freshness, was a trifle too thick and fine-drawn, as though a vivid spirit contended in them with a stain of physical weakness. Faxon was perhaps the quicker to notice such delicacies of balance because his own temperament hung on lightly quivering nerves, which yet, as he believed, would never quite swing him beyond a normal sensibility. "'You expected a sleigh from Waymore?' the newcomer continued, standing beside Faxon like a slender column of fur. Mrs. Coombe's secretary explained with difficulty, and the other brushed it aside with a contemptuous, "'Oh, Mrs. Coombe!' that carried both speakers a long way towards reciprocal understanding. "'But then you must be—' the youth broke off with a smile of interrogation. "'The new secretary? Yes,' but apparently there are no notes to be answered this evening. Faxon's laugh deepened the sense of solidarity, which had so promptly, which had so promptly established itself between the two. His friend laughed also. Mrs. Coombe, he explained, was lunching at my uncle's today, and she said you were due this evening, but seven hours is a long time for Mrs. Coombe to remember anything. Well, said Faxon philosophically, I suppose that's one of the reasons why she needs a secretary, and I've always the inn at Northridge, he concluded. Oh, but you haven't, though. It burned down last week. The deuce it did, said Faxon, but the humour of the situation struck him before its inconvenience. His life, for years past, had been mainly a succession of resigned adaptations, and he had learned before dealing practically with his embarrassments to extract from most of them a small tribute of amusement. Oh, well, there's sure to be somebody in the place who can put me up. No one you could put up with. Besides, Northridge is three miles off, and our place, in the opposite direction, is a little nearer. Through the darkness, Faxon saw his friend sketch a gesture of self-introduction. My name's Frank Rayner, and I'm staying with my uncle at Overdale. I've driven over to meet two friends of his, who are due in a few minutes from New York. If you don't mind waiting till they arrive, I'm sure Overdale can do you better than Northridge. We're only down from town for a few days, but the house is always ready for a lot of people. But your uncle, Faxon could only object, with the odd sense through his embarrassment, that it would be magically dispelled by his invisible friend's next words. Oh, my uncle, you'll see. I answer for him. I dare say you've heard of him. John Lavington. John Lavington. There was a certain irony in asking if one had heard of John Lavington. Even from a post of observation as obscure as that of Mrs. Coombe's secretary, the rumour of John Lavington's money, of his pictures, his politics, his charities, and his hospitality, was as difficult to escape as the roar of a cataract in a mountain solitude. It might also have been said that the one place in which one would not have expected to come upon him was in just such a solitude as now surrounded the speakers, at least in this deepest hour of its desertedness. But it was just like Lavington's brilliant ubiquity to put one in the wrong even there. Oh yes, I've heard of your uncle. Then you will come, won't you? We've only five minutes to wait, young Rayner urged in the tone that dispels scruples by ignoring them, and Faxon found himself accepting the invitation as simply as it was offered. A delay in the arrival of the New York train lengthened their five minutes to fifteen, 
and as they paced the icy platform, Faxon began to see why it had seemed the most natural thing in the world to accede to his new acquaintance's suggestion. It was because Frank Rayner was one of the privileged beings who simplify human intercourse by the atmosphere of confidence and good humour they diffuse. He produced this effect, Faxon noted, by the exercise of no gift but his youth, and of no art but his sincerity, and these qualities were revealed in a smile of such sweetness that Faxon felt, as never before, what nature can achieve when she deigns to match the face with the mind. He learned that the young man was the ward and the only nephew of John Lavington, with whom he had made his home since the death of his mother, the great man's sister. Mr. Lavington, Rayner said, had been a regular brick to him, but then he is to everyone, you know. And the young fellow's situation...